0: Hey, Rebels. My name is Matthew Barton, and I'm the host of the Rebellion Brewing Podcast. Today's guest is Victor Roman. He's the executive director of Big Brothers Big Sisters of Regina. I think we've all heard of Big Brothers Big Sisters before and how they do mentorship and role model work with at-risk youth living in our community. One of the things we talk about at Rebellion is how to make the community better and how to improve the lives of people who live here. That's kind of why we support street culture and their programs with young artists who've done murals and face painting and construction, all in our space. But sometimes it's, it's kind of hard to measure the impact of groups like street culture and Big Brothers Big Sisters until somebody actually does. A study in 2013 indicated that for every dollar invested in Big Brothers Big Sisters programming, they resulted in a net return of $18 to $23 in social investment Uh, the study also indicated mentees had a higher level of happiness and a stronger sense of well-being and belonging they were more likely to go on to earn more money in their careers I don't know about you but if I could place a bet for every dollar that I'd get 18 bucks back I think I'd make that bet and I think you would too so let's get into it Victor, welcome to the show.
1: Thanks for having me, and thanks for giving that little pitch, because you just went through a lot of the notes that I don't have to go through now, so we're open just to chat about whatever we want. <laughs> <laughs> no, but th- like, honestly, that, that was awesome. Thanks. How's your day going? Good. Good, good. It's a Monday morning. It's it's cold out, but it's starting to kind of, it's not minus 45 anymore, so, and I know by the end of today, it's going to be, I think it's supposed to be around minus six, so I can't complain. But I've
0: I've had enough of this cold.
1: <laughs> no, me too, but but today is the end at least for probably like a day, but we'll see.
0: <laughs> right before I came over here to record this, I I slipped in a snow rut. Yeah. And I basically exploded. Like, <laughs> I almost lost a boot. My backpack went one way. I lost my toque and my glasses. Yeah. Like, that's how hard I hit the ground. I haven't had a, a fall that dirty. Mm -hmm. Since I slipped after uh, freezing rain at my parents' house, they had uh, four steps up to their door. Yeah. And I slipped with a full case of 24 beer in my hands. Every single bottle shattered. (laughs) And it was so cold that night that I didn't have time to clean up the beer because it it froze to the ground while I was collecting myself. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like it's been that kind of cold here.
1: Oh, yeah, it has. It's definitely been that kind of cold here. I've been... Well, my only cold story is I'm a parent of a two-year-old, so every morning I've got to get him bundled up from daycare for, for daycare. And this last week, like, it's taken about twice as long to get him dressed than it has to drive him there, and that just drives me mad.
0: <laughs> it, it gets easier, I would say, about age three. Oh, yeah. But until then, you're just in it. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's thankless. <laughs> Good to know. But speaking of something that's a little less thankless, yes, you're a big brother. How long have you been involved with the organization?
1: All right, yeah, so I guess to give a little bit of my uh, background with the organization. So I became a big brother. It was around t- like six years ago. And then I've been the executive director here for just over a year. Um, but as far as getting involved in Big Brothers, uh, when it was just called Big Brothers was, um, you know, when I when I got out of high school, I originally went to school to become a social worker. And I had the intent of becoming a youth worker. Somehow, somewhere down the line, I ended up a graphic designer uh, at an ad agency and kind of grew that career instead. So, with that said, when I kind of became that graphic designer, that that itch to be involved in some way, shape, or form with youth was still there. And I knew our last executive director through my uh, design role because I did a lot of work with him. So... I ended up, uh, you know, talking to him and finally the time was right where I felt like I had enough free time to dedicate and I just said, yeah, I'm ready to become a big brother. So I've had, uh, well, I call him a little, he's, he's 15 now and he's taller than me. So I'm just going to say my buddy Tegan, (laughs) we started hanging out when he was nine years old and yeah, we've been hanging out until, yeah, he's, he's 15 and I've really seen a kid grow, um weekly for a long time and kind of monthly since i've had a kid um myself
0: how does that work they they so, match you with a kid or you do an interview process yeah. so
1: so the, so the way it works is if you're interested in mentoring obviously you kind of have a, a conversation with um the agency itself and uh, show intent and then they'll explain to you the options you have so what what i am is called a traditional mentor and what that is that's that's kind of our bread and butter program that's the one that um has been around for, God, I want to say like 100 years, probably internationally, uh, in Regina since 1971. And really what it is is, you know, I I came to the agency. uh, They do a bunch of checks to make sure you're safe to hang out with the kids. So you do, uh, God, I can't remember the name of it. But you do like um, child safety, uh, criminal record checks, things like that to show that you're clear. So as long as you've got a clear record, you're kind of, uh, good t- to go through the application process and then w- what they'll do with mentors like myself is we'll, we'll figure out you know okay well what's this guy like? like what's his personality like what are the things that he's good at what are the things he likes to do as hobbies so in my case like, I, I'm a pretty calm collected guy I um, I'm a big gamer so I, I, I love basketball I, I kind of like sports in general but nothing too competitive and a bunch more stuff. It was a long time when I applied, but what they did is they took all that information and then they try to find a kid that's on the wait list that really matches your profile, your personality. So what they kind of do is they say, okay, well, Victor's mentor A, and we think he's got strengths A, B, C. And we see Tegan over here is a you know a nine-year-old child that, that needs a mentor in his life. And we, we see a lot of alignment there. So we think, you know, they both like video games. They both like basketball. They both are quite chill, so they're going to have the right energy level. We think this is going to work for them to kind of create a meaningful friendship out of. Um, So that's really where it starts. Um,
0: How long did it take for you to kind of click with T?
1: To click? I was lucky. I feel like it took about an hour. (laughs) Like, so... And even that process, so you know, like the, the way it works is you get interviewed, you get trained, you, you, like as a mentor, you've got full support of a social worker that works with big brothers, big sisters. So you always feel like you've got someone to help you if a situation is tough. I was pretty lucky in my situation. Like there was never anything tough with Tegan. I feel like him and I, like I said, like hour one, we clicked. But uh, the first thing we ever did was we actually went to uh, Queen City X together. And I remember in my mind, I was like, OK, I'm. Like, I'm going to come hang out with a random nine-year-old kid who I've met once. And it was intimidating for me because I felt like I had to inspire him in some way. I was like, how am I going to be a good role model to this kid? And it was very clear that when we were hanging out, uh, really even by the, the end of session one, where I was, it just kind of clicked like, oh, like, we're just here to have fun. And when it really comes down to it, what we're doing each week is we're getting together to explore things together, to discover things together, and ultimately to have a good time together. So like at Queen City X, a lot of it was, you know, figuring out what rides, uh, as a nine-year-old, you're kind of on that cusp of, do you go on kids' rides or do you go on adult rides? Yeah. So there, there was a lot of like standing in line for an adult ride that halfway <laughs> through he realized like, man, that's scary, let's not do that, <laughs> to then like going on some kids' rides that he felt more comfortable with and seeing the ones that they let A guy who's too big actually go on with them sort of thing so (laughs) so I don't know like yeah in in our case it was really easy just to kind of hit it off right away and I think that was a testament to just the match that they made is that they found two people in us that were really compatible so what our years have really looked like to try to fast forward as quick as I can is you know week after week we'd, we'd we'd try a lot of new activities so Um, basketball outside when it was nice was one thing that we would do Uh, we'd go to the matrix gaming center together as well and just kind of do some games especially when in the cold of winter Um, through big brothers big sisters there's always activities being planned so there's like recreation nights there was like a floor hockey night that we went to once Um, we get free tickets to agribition, so you can go like hang out there there's there's a lot of freebies that are either donated or that the agency actually has a budget to fund you to do so yeah, for us, a lot of it was doing different things every week and then finding some of the things that were a little more routine. So like when we go to the Matrix, we're playing video games, but the reality is we're chatting, we're talking, I'm learning about how his life is going, figuring out how schooling is going and just kind of, you know, having like those real talks with video games as a background. Um, when we go to something like the, the activity nights that we have, the, sometimes there's more of an opportunity to actually be exposed to another skill. So like one example of the things that we did actually when I want to say it was a summer is we used to go to the YMCA and we found like a rec group of guys that played indoor frisbee. So that became kind of a situation where not only were we hanging out, we actually found a group of people to hang out with. He was able to kind of explore and discover a new sport that he's never played before and figure out kind of his place there. And, um,
0: And now he plays frisbee?
1: No, actually. But he he's been his mom's. Uh, wonderful and every year she's kind of given him the opportunity to go into a new sport and a lot of times I'd go watch those so like I watched him early on play flag football at one point he was in parkour and kind of that journey took him to curling so it's interesting because he's tried all these things he's been able to be exposed to all these things and he's kind of finally found his passion so now he like loves curling like curling's his number one I think it was last year he was on I want to say I don't want to misquote him here. I think he was on like, a rec team, a city team, and his school team. And I know this year he decided to focus on his school team because that's kind of where they have the strongest base. But it's kind of cool because now it's like I'm just going on and cheering on this kid who's like way better at curling than most kids I've seen his age. So, so, it, so it's cool. And I think um, from the mentor's perspective, a lot of it really is we're just hanging out every week. We're just having a good time. I've got a genuine friendship. For me as the mentor, it really works as a time to just kinda like be a kid again, kinda let off some steam if you just kinda need an escape from your everyday life. And then for him, it's just really a, a big part of it is like safe access to resources around the city that otherwise he might not have access to. So like going to those parks with an adult who's gonna like be a good influence on him rather than going to a park and maybe getting swept up in a gang or something like that you know like that that that's uh, one of the biggest values that you see from a week to week the other part of it is just trying to understand what are his strengths what are his passions how can we empower him in order to kind of reach his potential in life so 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 with a kid like tegan he was you know he's shy Uh, his his situation which is a very common one was he has a single parent situation so he never had a, a dad in his life and that's something that, you know, we never even talked about the background of that until pro- years in, because the reality was I didn't need to know it. We just needed to be I just needed to give him that extra person in his life that kind of would help at least supplement that a little bit. Um, so now it's kind of funny because like, yeah, he's he was nine years old. We've been hanging out for a long time. And a couple of years ago, I had a kid and that really shifted our um, our um friendship a little bit because suddenly now i was drowning in like how do i take care of an infant I, and you know i'm still like i have no idea nobody knows what a parent is my is my real answer but but it was kind of cool because uh, him and his mom were very uh, excited and open and welcoming to kind of introduce my child into the world so now if you walk into my kid's room I've actually have like Tegan's Bob, the builder computer that he had as a kid. I've got one of his stuffed animals that my kid dresses up all the time. And it's, it's just kind of that moment where you realize like, Oh, like this friendship is cemented forever. Like this is a part of your family. He's, he's a part of, yeah, it's exactly it. He's a part of my family and I feel like I'm a part of his. And ultimately that's kind of the goal we want at big brothers, big sisters is to develop a relationship naturally to a point that we don't really need big brothers, big sisters support. like, this this exists completely null of whether big brothers big sisters exists
0: you're always going to have his back you it, it doesn't matter if big oh brothers, yeah big sisters
1: oh yeah this, and
0: this guy means a lot to you and oh and yeah you mean a lot to him
1: and and yeah. like and the the relationship changes over years too right like at first it was what do we do for fun the last time we hung out was uh, we were at agribition together and it was what job do you want to (laughs) get? And he's thinking about that now. Like he's like, what, what would be a good part-time job in high school? And we're brainstorming those sort of things. And I'm, I'm trying to figure out, you know, if I know anybody that would, that would hire a guy like that and become more of a networking opportunity. Um, And, and that's so
0: huge. That's a huge doorway for tons of people's careers. It Um, is. It is just knowing people.
1: Oh, knowing people, God, I want to just like make up stats now, but knowing people like, has got to be like at least three quarters of the reason why people get jobs. It's 100% the reason why I've gotten every job I've had out of high school.
0: It's, it's funny when I think back on it, my credentials maybe opened doors, but yeah. it was never the credentials that got me the job. It was who I knew. Yeah. Networking connections. It didn't matter how hard you worked or how good you were. There's a million people who are good. Yeah. It's who you know and if you have a good attitude.
1: Yeah, that's exactly it. It's like, who can you become?
0: Which is not fair, but <laughs> it's kind of how
1: it <laughs> it's, is. It's not fair, but it is that bias that I think we all have. And it is important to at least recognize it. So, you know, that that was really in a short, like, a story of what six years kind of looks like, at least in my case. Um, if I'm to put it on, so I actually have a piece of paper beside me that I'm going to kind of reference now. Um, our national office did a really good job... Um, summarizing like what that process really is uh, from behind the scenes. Like what are the things that are happening while us as the mentor are naturally doing this? And first off, when we look at the kids that come through our doors, what we're looking at is um, what adversities are they facing? And we like to use the word uh, adversity. Um, I think it was, it's more common in the past to kind of say youth at risk. I think the reality is every youth is at risk it's what degree of risk do they have. And if we look at it from more of a strength-based language, we like to say adversity because the idea is, um, and we see this with all the kids that come through our doors, is that these are strong kids. These are strong-willed kids. These are kids, in some cases, that have been through really traumatic things and come out the other side. So we're not looking at kids that are weak that but we are looking at kids that are strong and need to become stronger so what we try to do is um you know kind of identify what are the adversities that this kid's facing so like in Tegan's case being like having a single parent situation that's a really easy one to to understand we've seen um, kids come through our door this is actually probably the most extreme case um, ever but I think we saw it was around a six or seven year old kid come through our door who was already feeling uh, feelings of suicide so, in a case like that, it's like that adversity is huge. That kid's need is huge. That's a kid that we made sure was going to get a mentor as fast as possible because there was potentially a life on the line. And um I know from talking to some of our service delivery staff that th- the change they saw in that kid from just simply having an adult that wanted to be in their life was huge within the first month. Like so Understanding a, a child's adversity, a child's need is huge as far as figuring out, you know, is this the right program for you? And do we have capacity um, to bring you in? And can we find you the right mentor? As far as what uh, big brothers, big sisters, workers are doing behind the scenes is you have a professionally, um, well, a professional social worker who's giving professional, uh, doing professional screening and then giving professional training and monitoring to all the matches. So all the families, the parent, the child, and the mentor who come through our door all get proper training from our staff all get trained on child safety and all have ongoing support at any moment of any day if there's ever an issue that uh, comes up so you know if, if, if a if a child asks a question to a mentor that's really tough or they maybe show a sign of um, whether it be like a sign of wanting to do something violent or something like that, then they've got a real support net to come back on through our staff, and that's probably the biggest part as far as um making sure that child safety is f- like first and foremost, and a, a big part of that from the social workers' perspective is that um, when they're doing monitoring, which is monthly for the first couple of years, is what they kind of get to do is probe you a little bit and guide you in the right direction. Because the reality is, uh, and one of the things that you said, which is very true of our problems, is that um, it's hard to find the data for this stuff. One thing I'm excited to say is we're working really hard, both locally and nationally, to start capturing that data so that it's not just those one-on-one stories that you know something's good is, but you don't really understand the full impact. Um, But out of that data that we're... um, trying to um start accumulating there's kind of three pillars of where we're looking for success in kids so one is social emotional competence what that means is kind of your general relationship skills Uh, how do you do in social situations do you make responsible decision making Um, are you self-aware can you can you take care of yourself well the other pillar which is very Closely tied to that is mental health and well-being. So what that means is like, do they identify, Do they have a positive identity? Do they feel comfortable in their own skin? Do they feel mentally well? Or are they suffering from any mental um, hiccups in their life? Um, do they feel socially included? Things like that. And then the last pillar, which is a lot of where actually I'm starting to see this with Tegan and myself, is that um, educational engagement and employment readiness. So in his case, like I said, now, like I'm trying to help this kid think about you're in high school. Like, what does your future look like? Like, what do you want to study after? Do you want to study after? What's the right job for you? What's the right job for you right now? So just having that person kind of, again, with the support from the staff know, like, these are the types of things that you're here to really help with. And these are the things that your little actions every day can make a difference with it, it is huge for us. And we're just in the process right now with our programs of putting in a new uh, data tracking system so that we actually have a gauge of, you know, from, from year one to year two, what was the progress we saw under that social uh, competence? What was the progress we saw mentally and what was the progress we saw in school? So f- for us behind the scenes, we're really paying attention to a lot of that. I would say probably as a mentor and definitely for the first few years as a mentor for myself, you don't notice it as it's happening, but you really are naturally being pushed towards those outcomes as a mentor.
0: There's one thing you said that kind of tweaked for me. You're talking about mental health and wellness. Yes. One of the things I've been thinking about and reading about is that when we get sick mm-hmm. physically, we can go to the doctor and we can get care. Yes. Oh, If we struggle with mental health, like, say, sadness or depression, anything, it's harder to go to a doctor to get care. Yes. But when we tell people we have issues with mental health, they Mm. assume it's like a permanent forever thing or always happening, but it isn't necessarily. It could be something that you can overcome. Yeah. It's about resiliency. Yeah. And when you were talking about those mental wealth and mental health and mental wellness skills, it kind of sounded like you're talking about teaching the kid resiliency skills. Yes, absolutely. Teaching them.
1: No, that's exactly right. Like teaching kids resiliency skills and making sure that they feel well supported. Like I've even heard of one case where there was a kid who, like cries a lot just because they're they're emotional. So like during a hangout, you can be having fun and what like little things will trigger and they'll cry. And like one of the things we've seen is that kid now, like this is how we we track it for that kid. is like, Oh, like, well, they cried. They seem to be crying every visit. Now they haven't cried in a month sort of thing. So you can see that starting to build just based on luckily having a great mentor who again had our support that was able to get some advice that was able to go back to the kid each week and find ways to help them cope with the issues that they were feeling at that time. And th- the, the the whole mental health portion of it, like you say, is huge. Like, even with, like, have you ever taken a sick day for a job just because, you, like, you weren't, you didn't have a flu, but you just felt bad that day? Because I have.
0: <laughs> I haven't, uh, now that I think about it. Um, I, I I take have. sick days for my kids, mostly. <laughs>
1: yeah, that's actually, that's true now. I know in the past, like, I have before, I'll say that very vocally, and I've had in past careers, like, very mentally tolling, jobs and I remember like doing it a couple of times and you feel guilty but the reality is in hindsight when I look back at those times is like sure I wasn't physically ill I wasn't puking I wasn't shivering I couldn't take my temperature and tell you this is how high it is but I was just I was just mentally beat and I can tell you that by laying on a couch all day that I felt a lot better to go in the next day and be way more productive a so way to
0: recharge your yeah, batteries yeah
1: so that, that's like the least amount of mental health issues you have. Um, do and you think that's
0: something that employers need to maybe think about or understand?
1: Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. That's one thing that we have for our staff is uh, we have personal days, which essentially work as additional sick days, but you don't need to be sick to take it. It's that day where you wake up and you just really don't feel like going into work. And that's the sort of thing that I wish more employers would do for their staff simply because, you know, we, we do talk a big game about mental health. I think the Bell Let's Talk um, campaign is probably coming up here right away. And there's a nice little week there where we all, you know, post our posts about it. But then when we go when we go away, we still don't have those policies at our workplaces. We still don't have the supports for those people. The, so I, I think kind of looking at it from the, the least... Like I would put situations like this where it's like I just feel bad one day and I need a day off that's that's like the least amount of mental health issues as you probably face, and even at that amount you should be given you should be taken seriously you know and then the worse it gets, the more serious you should be taken but like you say it's hard it's hard to look at you know someone's been depressed for a month versus someone's had a broken arm for a month because you can't see it, so part of it is like you just gotta You've almost got to trust the person, and from a, from a medical standpoint, we've got to have a better way of diagnosing it, I guess.
0: Is that uh, something we can shift socially, maybe as a society, to say we recognize mental health is a priority at mm-hmm. the expense of profit I mean that's a that's a big ask for that a lot is of people
1: a, that is a big ask for a lot of people but or then
0: I mean if somebody tops it is themselves and then you've lost all that potential you've lost yeah. that person just because they needed they needed help or care
1: they needed an extra and then a day or whatever so yeah I don't know like my challenge I think the easiest challenge to an employer and this is kind of it's own side rant now but I think the easiest challenge to an employer is why can't a, why can't feeling mentally just like bad one day be used as a sick day. It's not even necessarily you need more days. Just let that replace a physical sick day.
0: And that kind of flows from your thinking with big brother. Is that a lesson you've learned from big brothers, big sisters in your Um, experience? It it sounds like you kind of, that's a holistic kind of view.
1: It's a holistic view for sure. Uh, it's something that the past, Uh, executive director I think took very seriously at least at our place as an employer and it's something that I was really I think I literally thanked him when I came in and saw some of his uh, policies around that because I was like I was like I've never worked anywhere that's had this and I've worked everywhere that needs it (laughs) and I don't mean that like so I came from an ad agency background and a print shop background and I'm I'm not saying anything negative about those industries but there's a reality of very tight deadlines all the time and there's a reality in our society that we don't have the right processes yet to really cater to those. So part of my hope and our hope through this program is when we talk about you know the kids coming through a program and becoming more employ- employable, you talk about that emotional resilience and it's that ability to actually have more capacity in a workspace environment. But my hope is that beyond that, I'm hoping that by the, by the time all these 10-year-old kids are actually in jobs in their 20s. I'm hoping that they're more resilient, but I'm also hoping that the conversation for them to just say, hey, I feel bad today. I need a day off. I hope that that's something that more and more employers at that point are just happy to have and aren't you don't feel ashamed to do.
0: One of the memes that I've been seeing floating around the last couple of weeks about the storms, the winter storms, it's saying like uh, doctors saying take a day. Yeah. Yeah, uh, all these reasonable positions and people are saying, "Oh, just take the day off. Don't worry about don't come yeah. in." And yeah. then at the very bottom it says minimum wage labor boss. Oh, are you still coming in today? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, "Oh, I, I lost my arm in a car accident." Oh, are you still He's coming, still in, coming today? in? Yeah. And you know, it's supposed to be a joke, but it does kind of feel like there's a little bit of truth to mm-hmm. it. Um, like well, there when, is. When you are easily exploited, you are sitting at the at the kind of the edge, yeah, or on that bubble,
1: mm-hmm. um,
0: it's harder. Oh yeah. To ask for those things, to ask for a day, yes, or even respect. And it's interesting to see those frustrations bubbling out. It's kind of like the part two of Okay Boomer.
1: Yeah, the yeah. Millennial <laughs> frustration with,
0: I've worked so hard, and it's mm-hmm. still very hard to yeah. get ahead and feel well. Hmm. It's interesting that you bring this all up. Now it's all connecting these dots in my brain.
1: Yeah. No, and like what I've really seen uh, through a program like ours is it, I, I think the the general perception of like a big brothers, big sisters is, but like you say, like uh, when we were talking before you started and I asked, you know, what, when you think of a big brother, it's like, what do you do? It's like, well, it's a guy that hangs out with a kid on the weekend. The reality is, as I said, like short answer, 100% yes. Long answer is kind of everything we've been talking about is that the reality of that is is not only does it have a great impact on a kid, is that a program like this, when the kids who need it the most are getting it, is having a massive impact for the rest of not only their lives, but the community's uh, well-being, whether that be having more better employees to hire, having a lower crime rate, feeling safer, and beyond that this is something that really is anecdotal but a lot of uh people who were a little sister or a little brother become a big brother or a big sister later in life
0: they see the value and they want to give back
1: they they understand that value and even some of the people uh like becoming the, the executive director i think suddenly everybody everybody who had any sort of history with this program started to talk to me about it and i ran into um um a friend of mine, and that I had no idea, was a little brother once at, at a Safeway, and you could just like see like the the emotional impact, like for a positive it's had on his life. Now thinking back on it from like twenty years uh, later, sort of thing, and and he looked at me and he said, he's like, you know, it's like I always wanted to be a big brother, and I've never found the right time to do it. He's like, but this has always been on my head. It's like I've always thought about the fact that the community gave to me, and I've always wanted to give back and even just having that mindset is huge when we look into future generations, whether it be the next generation of someone giving to a fundraiser or the next generation of like true philanthropy.
0: What barriers, uh, exist for big brothers, big sisters. Are you guys in high need of, uh, new volunteers? So, um,
1: the answer is we always need volunteers, but we also kind of want to make sure they come in at the right rate. So, Our last executive director did an amazing job of really putting us on the map and getting people uh, interested in becoming volunteers. So I think it was September in 2019 where it was a month where we actually had as many uh, volunteers apply as we did kids. And that's generally unheard of. So um, when it comes to us getting volunteers right now, we're pretty confident that we've got kind of the right relationships in place and we've got the right reputation that when we ask we're going to receive um pretty well what 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 we want or what we can handle our our biggest challenge really is our capacity to do the work with families and with mentors and with kids so i've got this again just to make sure i don't kind of misquote it but uh, right now um we used to do group programs and Uh, we used to serve a lot of kids through that, but we realized that we have a huge wait list just for that one-on-one traditional match. Um, So we're really focusing all of our eggs in our traditional uh, programs right now, where it's a one-on-one mentor. So if we look at those programs, we're serving about 80 kids and that's about our capacity. The reality is our wait list is over 175. It was 175 the last time I checked and I know it's gone up since then. So there's a real, real challenge to, uh, to, to have the resources and able to be able to reach all of those kids and what it really comes down to is you know if you come in our program it's that professional social worker that's the person who's guaranteeing child safety they're the ones that are understanding the ins and outs to creating a match like me and tegan where you know they're the right match and they're probably going to succeed they're the ones that when that kid is crying every month the mentor probably has no idea what to do but they're the person who has seen this from other employment, who's been trained on this, who can actually help them. And from a, from a reporting standpoint, like they do a lot of work and they really are the meat and bones of what makes sure that these relationships are turning into something amazing. So, so what we're really looking for is uh, stable funding to be able to bring in at least one more caseworker because that's a huge, huge challenge that we have, is with our funding right now, we really can't uh, support to bring in one more full-time staff, but we really need to. The the, the couple ways we are looking at um, alleviating that wait list is, um, and this is happening nationally, is there's becoming a graduation process. So when you talk about a match like me and Tegan, we've been matched for over six years. The reality is if they stop paying attention to us after two to three years, we'd be in the exact same boat because I never, we never needed support from them anymore. We've kind of do our own thing and Calgary actually has a graduation process at two years. So we've been in the works of um, mimicking that and working with national in order to bring in a graduation process so we can make more of a a stream. So we, we know like we're going to start a lot of really good relationships and we're going to figure out what that looks like after they've graduated out of our program. And what that's going to do is I'm hoping, you know, we say we've got 175 kids right now. I'm hoping we look back in three or four years and we've got one or two more caseworkers and we've got this graduation process down and suddenly we can start to catch up a little bit to the demand and at least make an environment where when a kid comes through our doors, we're not saying, sorry, it's going to be four years because if you came in right now and you asked, that's the reality of it based on our current uh, situation.
0: When you have a four-year wait list, that also means that, It's uh, you're kind of victims of your own success. Yes. Um, So I wish you guys luck.
1: Oh, I I really do. Thank Um, you.
0: Where can people find more information if they want to donate or help out?
1: Yeah. So um, one of the big things we're really trying to do this year is um, get monthly and annual donors. Our agency, despite the fact it's existed since 1971, it actually existed under the YMCA up until about seven or eight years ago. So what happened is once we kind of left those doors and went on our own is that suddenly now it wasn't just like a small program in the YMCA. We needed to find our own funding. So we're despite the fact we're so old as far as like figuring out, you know, who are our corporate sponsors, who are the who are our monthly donors? Like it's a very small pool that we actually pull from. So for us right now, the, the more steady monthly or annual donors that we get, the more steady stable money that we can actually put into hiring a staff and we really want that steady stable money for it because if we rely on a fundraiser that breaks a record and we hire staff on it we're not the type of program where we just hire a staff for summer and run it and we're good to go it's like no this person's got to be here for two or three years it's got to be more sustainable it's got to be more sustainable because otherwise you know we bring in a caseworker we match 30 to 40 more kids and if we lose that caseworker in a year suddenly there's 30 or 40 kids that need support that we're struggling to give them so so for us it really is that that stable um way to do it so if you go to our website it is bbbsregina.ca. we have a donation portal there where we're currently seeking monthly and annual donors uh, in order to kind of grow that to a point that uh, we can serve more kids and what we've kind of calculated based on the way we run things is it's about it's like about twelve hundred dollars a year in just human hours and just those caseworker hours in order to, to successfully match, train, support, graduate those kids. So what we kind of do is we've broken down different um donation amounts to show like how much your support's actually gonna give, all the way up to, you know, if you gave a hundred bucks a month, you'd literally be supporting a match a year.
0: That's awesome, man. Yeah. Victor, I want to yeah. thank you for your time today. This, this is really a great conversation. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Steadly. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> Rebels, thanks for listening today. I'm going to include links in the show notes so you can find more about Big Brothers Big Sisters Regina. If you have any questions or comments about this episode, be sure to join us on our Facebook group page, The Rebellion Brewing Podcast. You can find it on Facebook just by searching Rebellion Brewing Podcast. It's that easy. I'm also proud to let you know that the Rebellion Brewing Podcast is an affiliate member of the Saskatchewan Podcast Network. If you're in a podcast you're looking for great content produced right here in our province, the Sask Podcast Network at saskpodcastnetwork.com is a great one-stop shop to discover local stories to listen to. New episodes and new beers are coming out all the time, so be sure to check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and Untapped to keep your finger on on the pulse of the local craft beer scene in Regina and Saskatchewan. Thank you for joining the rebellion.